Well, praise God, ye soldiers of the cross. Amen. We need language like that. Like I said, we need a militant faith in these times. And, you know, the, the history of this particular ministry was, was that, a militant faith to take the streets of Glasgow, to take to the streets of Glasgow. And, you know, when we are just passive and nice as Christians, we're not going to see results that way. We have to be aggressive, but not aggressive as in nasty and hostile, but aggressive against the enemy, aggressive against the devil, because the prize is our souls. The prize is souls, isn't it? And it's souls that we want to win for Jesus. And thank God for those in Scotland in times past and in this place who saw uh, souls as being uh, very much the business. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for men and women who saw saving souls for Jesus as their business. Amen. So praise God, we're in Psalm 112. We're going to continue our look at uh, this wonderful psalm because this psalm captures in many ways the life of the righteous and the life of the blessed man. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord that delighteth greatly in his commandments. And just we're going to just touch in verse 2 very briefly. His seed, his descendants shall be mighty upon earth. <clears throat> you know, the blessing that touches your life if you're a father or a mother or a grandfather or grandmother will carry on to your descendants. It's not saying that, well, your descendants will automatically be saved. They have to make their personal choice, don't they? Uh, they have to make that individual commitment to, to the Lord Jesus. But what it's saying is the blessing of God will be in your family. And that blessing will touch them and draw them. But more than that, it will make them mighty upon earth. It'll make them children and grandchildren you can be proud of. But I just want to touch on that little phrase. Blessed is the man. Blessing is God's purpose and will for each one of us. God does not want you to live a, a mediocre life, to live a life of failure, to live a life of, of even an average life. Blessing implies that you will have an exciting life, a, a life full of richness and uh, joy and, and all the things that, that make up life. And you know, you don't have to travel to get that. You don't even have to have millions in the bank to get that. The blessing of the Lord, while it can touch all these things, it's really about inner blessing that can then manifest outwardly. Amen. So some of us are very aware. You know that old hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. You know, we don't really get that anymore, do we? We don't get taught things like that anymore. That we're supposed to count our blessings. We're supposed to sit and say, Lord, you bless me here, you bless me there. And thankfulness and gratitude thankfulness and gratitude. These are old-fashioned things to some people. Oh, well, you know, uh, or uh, that's very naive. That's very simplistic. You know, I don't understand why a lot of people want to make being a Christian complex. It ought to be very simple and straightforward. And 
thanking God and counting their blessings. Because if you start to count them, you'll see that you're blessed. You see, if you're not conscious of these blessings, then you start to get the grumbles, don't you? But sometimes when you grumble and somebody reminds you the ways that God has blessed you, you realise, I don't have much to moan about. Now, some people aren't happy unless they're moaning. Am I right? That's, that's, they actually find fulfilment and happiness in moaning. Uh, but the, the Bible is very, very strict about that and says don't be murmurers or complainers. So let's be people who focus on the blessing. Then it says here, you know, and, and we've got to be conscious of being blessed. And we've got to continually say, I'm blessed. Amen. Amen. I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in every day. The Bible records of Abraham, and we've looked at the blessing of Abraham quite a bit over the past while. The blessing of Abraham. Abraham's servant said to somebody on one occasion, the Lord has blessed my master Abraham in all things. And we can say today that we're blessed in every area of life. And here's the secret of being blessed. The more you say you're blessed, even when you don't feel it, is the more that you'll be blessed and the more that you'll feel blessed and it just becomes, it goes on and on and gets stronger and stronger. So keep affirming that you're blessed. Blessed is the man. You could say, you know, I would say, blessed is Bill that feareth the Lord. I'm blessed. Amen? Amen. So we can all say that, those things. But you can keep saying, blessed is Bill, if you want. <laughs> or you can, you can say, blessed am I, you know, but I don't mind if you speak blessings on me. That's a wonderful thing. Praise God. Now, blessed is the man or the woman because it's not really being gender specific as such. Blessed is the person, we would say. Okay, but blessed is the man or the woman or the child that feareth the Lord. You see, the blessing comes from fearing the Lord. If you want to say, I want to be blessed, but I don't feel blessed, then fear the Lord. Because those who fear the Lord are blessed. You say, well, I, I don't feel that emotion, you know. Or you might say, well, I don't want to fear God, I want to feel love. But fearing the Lord is not just about feelings of terror and fear. It's about reverence and it's about a choice. It's not an emotion. Fearing God is a choice. Why is it a choice? Because we're commanded to. And if you're commanded to do something, you have the choice to obey or you have the choice to disobey. And I want to say this to you very, very clearly. Why is the nation in the state it's in? Why is Britain? Why is Scotland? Why is Glasgow? And let's be honest, it's a mess. Isn't it? The whole thing's a mess. Just open the paper or put the news on or talk to somebody and find out all the tales of woe. And there are many of them. And we've all, some of us experienced them or witnessed them. But why is the nation in a mess? Because there aren't enough people fearing the Lord. There's not enough fear of the Lord out there. There is no fear of God before their eyes, the Bible says. And you know, I want to say this to you as well. And this is a big statement. This is a big, big statement. But it's a true one. The fear of the Lord is the key to everything. If you don't have the fear of the Lord, you haven't begun 
to do anything. The Bible says, and let's look at it, we want to look at it. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 4 says, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honour and life. Riches and honour and life. Riches, you need riches, don't you? You need riches because you, you need God to, uh, to bless you. Blessing covers riches. You know, you can't do anything without having the money to do it. <coughs> money answers all things, the Bible says. So you need riches. And it's not just for you so that you can be, you know, wear nice clothes, drive nice cars. You need riches if you're going to bless other people. And the Bible says the blessing of Abraham is we're blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed just so we can be selfish. If you see a need, you want to meet that need. And if you don't have the resources to meet someone's need, even family members, you need to be blessed to feed your family. You need to be blessed a bit more to feed the needy around you. Amen? So we need riches and honour. If you don't have honour, if people dishonour you, it's not a pleasant life, it's not a blessed life. So riches and honour and life come, all these things come from the fear of the Lord. So if you want more of these things, then fear the Lord more. Amen? Fear of the Lord is the key to everything. And also, if you go to Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs chapter 9 says this, and this is, this is quite uh, powerful stuff. When we look at the feet of the Lord, you know, it's not just a casual thing. It's not just an optional thing. It's not something that, ah, well, that'd be, that, that, that'd be quite good to do. We're commanded to fear him. We're commanded to fear him. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy or the holy one is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In another place it says, the fear of the Lord, we'll look at that, is the beginning of knowledge. You don't even begin to be wise unless you fear the Lord. A lot of people out there have got wisdom. But the Bible tells us there's two types of wisdom. There's sensual, demonic, devilish wisdom which we would call cunning, or living by your wits, or in some cases being a chancer, being a wider, amen, or triple wider, quadruple wide. And we know a lot of people like that, they've got, they've got some, you know, they've got a, a bit of street smarts, about, there's nothing wrong with street smarts, but if that's all the, the smarts you have, and you don't fear God, you haven't even begun wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And a lot of people, they shun the fear of the Lord because they rely on their own intelligence, their own cunning, their own natural ability, their own wisdom, which isn't theirs because James tells us that it's devilish wisdom. There's a wisdom that comes from being a widow. But it's not the wisdom that comes from God. Jesus said, be wise as serpents, but harmless as doves. Amen. So we can understand that other wisdom, okay, but our wisdom comes from a higher source, it comes from above. 
And it comes from this book. And it comes from the Holy Spirit. So, and it comes from the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a decision. But you know, it also says that, this, that there's a spirit of the fear of the Lord. And we need that spirit of it. That's what differentiates Christians from people out there. It's the fear of the Lord. So always actively be functioning in the fear of the Lord. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, we've just read. And here in Proverbs chapter 1, uh, it says this in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Bible speaks about wisdom, it speaks about knowledge, it speaks about instruction, it speaks about understanding. All different facets of knowing, knowing things, but really all that knowing of things comes from knowing him, doesn't it? If you don't know that the fear of the Lord will drive you to God. If you read about the revivals of old, the, the Lewis revival and other revivals, it, a lot of these people that came to Christ and got saved, they didn't come because they heard the gospel message. They actually came in their homes or in one particular occasion I know of a man walking along the road up in Lewis in the Lewis revival and the fear of the Lord came upon him. The fear of God came. This man was a young man, but already well on his way to being a drunkard. And, you know, a, 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 a ne'er-do-well. And he would tell you. But during the Lewis revival, I think he was walking home, probably staggering home, I think it was, was the accurate description. And as he walked along the darkened road, the fear of God came upon him. And that man sobered up, got down on his knees and repented and became a believer and eventually a Church of Scotland missionary uh, and a mighty man of God. And one of my early mentors in the faith. What made the difference with that man? The fear of the Lord came upon him. Let me just say this to you. We talk, how do we reach people? You know, as a pastor, I ask myself that question. I've asked it for years and it's not wrong to ask it because if you want to reach people and our hearts should be and we've done it here we've, even since I've came we've had events that we, we, we notified because we want to reach people don't we we want to reach the folks in those streets out there and further afield how do we reach them Lord let me just say this I'm not advocating that we be lazy and we don't do things like uh, you know putting out tracks and witnessing and all that. I'm not saying that we stop that. But let me tell you, you wouldn't have to reach them if the fear of the Lord came upon them. Because the fear of the Lord will drive them through that door better than anything else. And that's what's happened in revivals. David shared with me uh, a vision he had a while back of people queuing up in that street to get in here for our meetings. That would be a good winter. Amen. It'd be a lot more to cater for. A lot more rolls and sausage. But you know, that's, that's the easy part, isn't it? 
But we need to be people that say, Lord, the greatest blessing, let me, and if you've been praying for somebody for years that they would turn to God or that they would get their lives sorted out and get themselves free of whatever, the best blessing you can pray for them is that the fear of the Lord would come upon them. Because then you wouldn't need to Bible thump them or browbeat them or ask them for the 150th time that they want to come to church. They'd be saying to you, I'm coming with you because there's something happened. There's something, you know, and, and we do see that. We get reports of that from time to time from people. But we need to see it all over. You know, we're, we're praying every week here for revival. And we'll know revival's coming. We see that, that fear come upon people. And, we, you know, the folks that we've been pursuing all this time, they're pursuing us. When does the church open? I want to come. So we need to be believing that of our loved ones. And we need to be believing that in general. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. There's a lot of knowledge today. And the Bible says that in the last days, knowledge will increase exponentially. And it's astonishing. And if you think, you know, if you look at the science that people have got into the things that they can do now that they couldn't do, uh, you know, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Science is advancing, knowledge is advancing. But again, I'll say it, there's a knowledge that you can have a PhD, you can have all the degrees, you can be a, a brain box, you can be intellectual, you can be, you know, head swelling with brains. Portfolios bulging with degrees. But unless you have the fear of the Lord, you haven't actually begun to know anything. It's like these folks that debate or that tell you there is no God. The fool has said in his heart, the Bible tells us, there is no God. It doesn't say the wise man says that. It says the fool. The God counts them fools, of course, who dispute his existence. And it doesn't matter if you are a genius physicist, chemist, or scientist of some description, if you say there is no God, you're a fool. You haven't even begun to know anything because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So again, I will say it. And we all know fools out there who mock us for coming to church, mock us for our beliefs, and sad to say many of them are now in the media, many of them are now in the uh, parliaments and councils, or these mad Christians, and all so on. They're the fools. Amen? And it's not that we say that disparagingly or with malice, but we need to remind ourselves what the Bible says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And if people don't have that, they haven't begun to know anything. And these are comforting things for us to understand, because sometimes you can be bamboozled with people that have all the science, amen, and all the intellectual arguments. But there is no argument. The Bible says that the foolish things of this world, and that's, that's something you and I, confounds the wise. Okay? We are fools for Christ. But we have begun the true knowledge because we feared the Lord and it's taken us on the pathway to wisdom 
and the pathway to knowledge. And, I, and I'll just say this, and it says blessed is the man. So there's a blessing to this. It's not just, oh, you need to do this. You need to fear the Lord because the Bible tells you. There's a blessing attached. There's a reward attached. He says if you fear him, you'll be blessed. And I, I just think the way God puts it, and I believe this, that if you say, I'm going to fear him. Oh, Lord, I fear you. The more you make that decision to fear him, the more he blesses you. With riches and honour and life, family blessings, social blessings, all of it. So we want to be in this church of people who say we are blessed. And every time we walk through that door, we're blessed uh, to come in. And because the Bible says you'll be blessed coming in and blessed going out. Amen. Blessed in the city and blessed in the country or in the field. Amen. And blessings wherever you are, wherever you come from, even Blantyre, even Cumbernauld, <laughs> wherever you come from or wherever you're going to, it doesn't matter because you're blessed, blessed, blessed. And that's what, I want to say this to you, that's what Gan Gad needs. That's what Glasgow needs. That's what Blantyre needs. That's what Bailiston needs. That's what, wherever you live, the blessing. When you leave here, take that blessing with you. You know, that's why, and, and this is important to say, so I'll close with this. If you go and look at Numbers chapter 6, watch what he says here. Because we, we do this, it's, we call it the benediction, but it's uh, literally called, or theologically called, the Aaronic blessing. Not the ironic blessing, the Aaronic from Aaron, the brother of Moses. And this was what the Aaronic priests were commanded to do in Numbers chapter 6. It says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons. That was the, the, the high priest and the priestly caste, saying, On this wise, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. It's, it's the ironic or the Israel blessing. You say, well, why do you do that? Is it just a great way of closing the meeting? Is, that, is, is it just one of these things that ministers do? They'll say the benediction. You know, if you did, they, 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 we don't do that, thank God. But is that why we do it? Because it's, no, we do it for this purpose. Watch what it says. They shall put my name, or so they shall put my name, on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. That blessing that we speak, the benediction, that's just what it means to bless. It, we say that so that when you leave through the doors, okay, after you've had your rolling sausage and your tea, and, or in some cases more than one rolling sausage, but I'm not looking at anybody, you'll leave with that blessing. Because blessing comes through words. And it's releasing that so that when you go home, you take that blessing with you. And we do it intentionally. We do it with intentionality. We don't do it just as I said. It's a ritual. And that's the problem. That's the problem with religion and certainly the problem with popery. It just all became a ritual. Amen? Well, whether it's 
the Roman Catholicism or Anglicanism or Church of Scotlandism or even Pentecostalism. If it's a ritual, it's dead and it's meaningless. But if it's got life in it, then it truly blesses. Amen. So be blessed, folks, as you leave here. We'll say the benediction at the end. But understand, it's a blessing upon you. And it, it, you do carry it with you. Amen. And especially if you receive it by faith. So praise God. The Lord bless you. And now we'll close our service.